I've, uh, let me just say to you, I, I'm going to share this little, little secret with you. I, um, I was, after, after the second services, Reverend Sharon uh, Murphy was sharing, and it, it, it brought, but both services just really un, just undid me. And, uh, and then when Hilda was singing, I was just, I was just blubbering mess over there, trying to compose myself, thinking about how good God is to us. And when, when uh, uh, Reverend Sharon Murphy was, was preaching, she said some things that just brought me back to um, b- being obedient, you know, because you, the, the show of your love for God is your obedience to him. It's always the, the outward expression of love is obedience. If you don't have obedience, you don't have love. And she made that perfectly clear. And as she was sharing, I, I, I was thinking about the times, and both of them were sharing, they, they brought up a lot of emotions and memories, how after having fasted, you know, you know I've, been, I've lived this life, and I thought it was a fasted life. I really did. From the third grade, I've been fasting and praying and asking God to guide my life and help me to say nothing that will hurt his people. And on August the 30th last year, when God did some, some miraculous things, actually it started August 29th in 2020, and then it just uh, miraculous things. Now this is a man whom God has led to fast uh, all of basically his life, and so I thought I was a diligent seeker. But what I realized today is that I was seeking to be a diligent seeker. And I don't say that to be cute, but that is a story. Um, I had, God had led me on three 14-day fast. I thought I would die. I literally, I wasn't exaggerating. I thought I would die uh, because weight just falls off me when I fast. And then uh, I, after eight years of disobedience, I, I, I obeyed. And then sometime later, the Lord led me on a 21-day fast. There's no food. We don't eat when we're on there. We don't, we don't go steal food out of the refrigerator. And so then again, after that, when I was 60 years old, I know some of you are saying, you're not 60. But uh, when I was 60 years old, God called me to, to fast. And I didn't know how long, but I was willing to obey him. And then I, I did that. Um, I said to my wife, honey, I, I think, uh, I probably said Marv like that, but I, uh, honey, I, I, th- I think God wants me to fast. Um, uh, she said, when? I said, I'm, I'm supposed to start on Thursday. I said, how many days are you going to fast? I said, I don't know yet. He hasn't told me. And so then I decided to ask him. And he said, I heard something like this, 40 days. And I thought, I don't talk like that. <laughs> and I thought, I can't do that. I'm not going to tell anybody I'm going to do that. As your message just got me. And, and uh, so, I, I, but I'm, I was going to start and not tell the congregation, because I always tell the congregation when I'm fasting. You, you, I know you read the scripture that says, don't be telling people about your fasting. Well, I have to tell you. Because when I tell you, you stop asking me, am I sick? Am I dying? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a true story. And so I, I told the church I, uh, I would be fasting. And out in the foyer, I don't remember who the ladies were. I don't remember them somehow. But one of the sisters came and said, Pastor, how long are you going to fast? 40 days? I said, no, don't tell anybody. That. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I know God, uh, a voice had been talking to me, but I, I was thinking it can't be God because he knows I will die. I thought that when, I, when, when he told me to fast three, 14 days, I would die. But anyway, to, to just fast forward, a, a day later, I think it was, another sister asked, you sister should be careful. Another sister asked, 
How long are you going to fast? Pastor, 40 days? And I shh, don't tell anybody that. Nobody should know because I thought there's no way I can fast for 40 days and nights. I will certainly die. You know, but I had forgotten that Jesus told me on the, the 13th day of the first 14-day fast, there's nothing that can happen to you in the universe that I can't get you through. I had forgotten it. And I thought I would die on that 40-day fast. Your message has really impacted me. And so I feel like I should say these things to you, although you didn't hear the messages. So at 60 years old, I did. And my, my youngest sister said to me, what are you doing? Jesus was only 30. You're 60. You know, stop that. And so we had one uh, of our uh, brothers and sisters, one group uh, from Nigeria, actually. Uh, anybody here from Nigeria today? Where you, where, where you at me? I say, okay, so nobody else. Yeah, thank you. The, this is what they were doing. They were praying for me because they knew my age and they knew how dangerous that has been for people. And, uh, and I believe that their prayers and, and your prayers sustained me. And at the end of the, the fast, this is what I, I heard. Now you have obeyed me. I thought I was going to see chariots of fire. I was going to have angelic visitation. But no, he says, now I've got you where I want you. You've obeyed me. Amazing. So when he called me to do, uh, a, a, at 64 years old, a second 40-day and night fast, I did it. I obeyed him. And then he said, I'm going to require one more of you. Jesus is amazing, everybody. We've heard from him all day. And I want to give you something. I'm, I'm, I'm not on script, but let me just say. And then, and then when I was 67 and a half years old, and when we finished the almost 68 years old, when I know you're saying, you Pastor, come on, you're embellishing, you're not 68, right? But so I said, so, <laughs> so I'd, we, we, we fasted that, that time, 70, uh, at 67 and a half years old. 340 day and night fasts. I thought that was enough and I was done with fasting. And, and that was in 2015. And then in 2020, 2020 in the middle of a pandemic. Can you, now listen how God, your messages impact me. You got the grace to do it. You must obey God. If God's not asking you anything beyond human capacity, he's not asking you anything. And if you're not believing him uh, beyond the possible, you haven't asked or believed for anything. So we're, gonna ask, we're asking God to heal people of things you can't be healed from. We're asking him to do for people things that cannot be done in, in the realm of humanity. Well, on, on the 29th of August, 2020, the Holy Spirit began to move on me. I want you to fast and pray. I didn't want to. I was enjoying food. I really did. I enjoyed good food. Not just food, good food. And, and I enjoy, I'm not a glutton, but I enjoy good, good food. And if you can't cook, you need to learn if you want me to come to your house. <laughs> it was, it, and so I was just talking back and forth to the Lord because I didn't want to. But I didn't eat anything on that 29th. I didn't eat anything that evening. And uh, so in the, that night, I was just battling just all kinds of things, guilt, condemnation, all kinds of things just hit me. And the devil was like a 21-year-old, 22-year-old Mike Tyson. 
you know, nobody could beat him. They were scared of him. Even grown men were frightened of him in the ring. And that's how I was beat, pummeled all night. Woke up the next morning, the 30th, said, God, I, I can't preach. I'm beat up. I'm so sorry, Jesus. I'm so, I just said, please forgive me. Please, I can't. And, and in the middle of my telling him, I couldn't do it, but I really wanted to. I was just too beaten up, and I wanted to call uh, one of the pastors here to, to preach, and suddenly the Holy Spirit, poof, rested on me. Amen. He rested on me. And it was, I had never experienced it in my life like that. He rested on me so powerfully. Everything that happened the night before was gone, and, I'm, and, and now more than a year, 14 months later, it's still gone. I'm not, I don't feel bad about having been bad. Now, what am I saying? From my childhood, and we were guarded, so we didn't, we didn't have opportunities to do so many things. And, and so, and so uh, but still the enemy found a way to say, you don't deserve Jesus. Nobody deserves Jesus. No one. If you're here and thinking, well, I was never so bad. You didn't deserve Jesus. You were on your way to hell. And so from that moment, I've been free. And so during that time, when, it, when the Lord first asked me, he said, I want you to live a fasted life. And I thought, well, I don't mind doing these seven-day fasts and off, you know, on seven days fasting and, and then eat for seven days of eating. I don't mind doing that. But he says, no, for the rest of your life. As long as you live, I want you to live a fasted life. And I thought, oh, that is overwhelming. I, I think this will help you. It has a context for the other two services, but it will help you. No, we can go beyond our limitations. We can go beyond that in Christ. There is grace that will carry us there. There is. If you had told me... Uh, August the 29th, that God is going to require what he required of you. I wouldn't have believed it. Uh, Dr. Rich uh, said, in which, you know, we, we, we know and we say these things from time to time, but God doesn't tell you uh, the whole 10 miles he's asking. He wants you, he'll shine light on the first step. And so when, he, when I said, yes, I'm fasting just like you told me to, I didn't realize that it would be 140 days within a year. I didn't realize that total fasting. What I'm saying is, now when I think about a fasted life, it doesn't frighten me now. And to say yes before I even know what God wants doesn't frighten me. And this is what, what you must do. This is what God is calling us to. But when you say, no, I can't, uh-uh, somebody else, Lord, mm-mm, bye. You're not there yet. When our son, Marcus, used to, used to, we would go long distances, whether we were driving in a car or flying, he was notorious at, at five minutes after we were on the trip. Are we there yet? And when you keep asking that question, it's like you never get there. What I'm saying is stop saying, telling God about your limitations. He knew about them before you were born. Yield yourself to God. Let me just make a few points this afternoon. My subject is called Christ our treasure. What you treasure, you guard. And what you guard, you keep. 
I, I, you know, those of you who know me, you know, I, I love Spanish. I, sometimes I think I'm Hispanic in a way. I, I love Spanish. And I get sometimes annoyed with Spanish, people of Spanish heritage or Hispanic heritage, however we want to frame that, and, and don't even care to speak Spanish. I learned so much about the Bible because I know Spanish words. I know I have a larger vocabulary than I have the ability to use it all. You know, that's weird, isn't it? But, but I love Spanish. And uh, one of the verbs that I love is guardar. Guardar. Guardar means to keep, if you're here. Guardar means to keep. But it also means to guard. And you can't keep what you don't guard. And so... so Christ is our treasure. Therefore, we must guard that relationship. We, don't, we should not have the attitude that, oh, God will guard it for me. I can just live a happy-go-lucky life. No. You and I must guard it. That is, we must be sober and vigilant all the time because our adversary, the devil, is going about prowling, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to find somebody who is not guarding the treasure of Christ. Christ is my greatest treasure. His greatest treasure. I wake up in the middle of the night saying things like, God, I'm so glad you saved me. Thank you for saving me. Because Without him, you don't even know you're lost. And I'm grateful. Christ is our treasure. And, and we should speak of him all the time. And we should live soberly and righteously in this present world because we have a promise that we are one day going home to live with God. That's huge. Take your, this Christianity and this amazing experience that God has given us. Take it seriously. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining, now listen, that their, heart, that their hearts may be what? Encouraged. Being knit together in love. And so the encouragement that you are getting is because you are, are knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Now listen, in whom are hidden, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and what I have, I have gained by obeying. My dad and mom taught us to obey. The parents here, if you don't teach your children to obey, they will not learn what they should learn. If you don't, now how do you say it? You teach about, please obey Johnny, Johnny. Now, I, if somebody may be Johnny here, I'm sorry. Well, I say Juan, huh? <laughs> but you know, you know, Pete, let's, 
please obey me. Come on. No, you're betraying your child. You, you, you must cause them, make them. My dad and mom made us obey. They, we had to obey whether we wanted to or not. And by that, by doing that, I have now learned the pattern of obeying God. Yes, yes, God asked me fearful things. He said, I or told me, I want you to do this or that. I want you to fast for, for three 14 days. Uh, 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 firstly, it was in 1981 um, when I had a dream in the afternoon. An angel came to me in the dream and said, you ought to fast for 42 days. And I was rebuking him <laughs> in, the, in my dream. I'm usually running from stuff in my dream. And I said, you're not of God. You're not of God. Jesus never fasted more than 40 days, and I will never do in, anything more than Jesus. And, and he says, three fourteens of 42. And I woke up trying to multiply, and that's a terrible thing. And, and woke up trying to multiply, and I said, no. And the first words out of my mouth was, I can't. And that will kill me. But now, not only did God bring me through that after eight years of disobedience, he brought me through that, but then multiple things much greater than three fourteens. And now he's saying, the rest of your life, you will live a fasted life. Not only will you live a fasted life from food, you will live a, a, a fasted life from secular things. I am calling you to myself. And this transition that you and I are in is a call of God to himself. Are you willing to say yes? Some of you go, well, I don't want to lie. Are you willing to say yes? I'm giving you my life as a pattern because my life is pretty much a, a, an open book. Many, many things are just an open book where I'm telling you how God has dealt with me. I tell you the good, the bad, the ugly, so that you will know I'm ordinary. I'm like you. If you've ever gotten angry when you shouldn't have, that's probably me. If you've let something pass that you should have let pass, that's probably me. Now, if you were a thief and robber, that was not me. But ordinary things... I was like you. And, and the Bible tells us that God is calling us to himself. And he's calling us to uh, the knowledge of the mystery of God. And I am now in my latter years, and one of my brothers from Nigeria in Joss region, uh, in Joss, in the Joss, not Plateau State, but in Joss, uh, he is telling me, uh, he said, stop talking about how old you are. He said, the, uh, the, the history of the world is that people do more in their latter years than they've done before. Wow. Yes. And so I'm ready to keep going in my latter years. And be more successful than ever before. So it doesn't matter. Don't say, well, life has passed me by while you're still breathing. You must re recognize, however, that Christ is your treasure. Because he says, uh, he's God is God's desire is that you and I are be knit together in love, attaining, reaching to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. And so now in my 70s, I've, I'm learning things about God that I never knew. And I've studied the Bible all of my life and been a, been a, a person who was desiring to be a diligent seeker. Because when I see what God has done now, I go, I was not a diligent seeker. I was seeking to be one. Are you even seeking to be a diligent seeker? I would say to you that it, it is there before you, and this transition is speaking of that, where we can see amazing ministry gifts out there. Are, are you one of those? 
Have you applied yourself to God so that he can use you? I remember a song, and it's amazing uh, if, you know, uh, that I remember all these songs. But in church, when I was a kid in church, I had to act right. You know, some of you are very young, but those of us who are a little older, you had to act right because they didn't mind taking you outside and dusting you. Yeah, and everybody heard your response to the dusting. But sometimes mom would come and sit on the side of me. I wasn't doing what we call bad things. I was a little restless, you know, and looking around and looking around. And she would come and sit by me and get some of my little old meat on the side. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of uh, meat on the ribs, are there? But she found it. And she would, would pinch it and give a little twist and say, and you'd better not make a sound. You'd better not make a sound. Or I will take you outside. I didn't want to go outside. Yeah, outside was just a one-way trip. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is they made us listen. They made us do right. They didn't say, oh, they're just children. I'm saying that you and I have come to a place in our salvation history that if we don't do what God says, we betray those in our sphere. He tells us that that he would bring us to the knowledge of the mystery of God. And what I want to say is I've learned more about God in this last 14 months than perhaps I've ever known. What? I've spent my life reading and studying to know God. And he's come to me in the middle of the night and shared his reality with me from the time I was about 52, 54, he would talk to me in amazing ways and give me an amazing understanding. Some people may disregard it because it's simple. You see, any fool can make something complicated. But we seem to, to, to ex exalt those who make things complicated. Oh, they're deep. Yeah, they're so deep you, you have no understanding when they finish. But in the last 14 months, I've come to know at a deeper level no weapon formed against me can prosper. It doesn't matter what the weapon is. It, it can't. I know it deeper than ever before. And I've known now that this, the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so there are believers here who think that their call of God is to save America. It's not. Your call of God is to be responsible to the Word of God and the purposes of God. Now, if that is to save America, then so be it. Otherwise, stay true to what God has called you to. It's more beautiful. I have spied out the land, and I'm telling you, it's more beautiful than you could ever dream. I've spied out the land. Christ is a treasure. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, It is through Christ that we have the remission of sins. Isn't it amazing that you and I were 
in a place, a sphere, the earth sphere, where we had caused trouble through Adam, our father, Adam, the first man, that we could not be rescued from it. There was no answer in the earth. That's where we were. And it is Acts 2.38 is through Christ that we have the remission of sin. In Acts 3, 6 through 8, it is through Christ that we are healed, both spiritually and physically. So God sent someone from out of this sphere, the earth sphere. He sent someone from heaven, his only begotten son, in whom resided or who was our only answer. That's why we should guard our relationship with our only answer. Let's be busy about the purposes of God. That's singularly your most important calling. I am there, brothers and sisters. I am there. And I don't say that to boast. I say that to say that I have spied out this land, and it is a very, very good land where we are to dwell forever and ever. I hear brothers and sisters talking about miracles, and, uh, and number one, the Word of God itself is a miracle. And salvation is a miracle. You're saved today. You have experienced the greatest miracle. And so, you know, the other things are, are miracles, but they are peripheral in my view because my relationship with God is a miracle. Because I am the person who, at, at, at 34 years old, saying, I, I, I can't. I, I had for the most part, walk with God, except for a few crazy years in university. But I'd walk with God and, and from my childhood. But I can't do it, I said, at 34 years old. At 42 years old, uh, God reminded me, reminded me of my disobedience. At 60 years old, after a 40-day fast, no, I didn't have angelic vis visitation. But he said, now you've obeyed me. And so that was my starting point. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus Christ, that you didn't give up on a 60-year-old who thought everything was wonderful. Oh, no, I wasn't doing any blatant, crazy stuff, but I wasn't going far enough. I was not walking into the realm of, of the impossible like I had thought, like I had desired. And you can walk into the realm of the impossible. And God wants you to walk in the realm of the impossible because the wor world needs somebody who will walk in the realm of the impossible, not somebody who will try to fix our body politics. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. God is an amazing God. This is what he is offering you. This is what the transition is part of what the transition is about. He is offering you to walk with angels. As a matter of fact, in 1990, after I'd obeyed the Lord, he said to me, I'll tell you part of what he said. If you'll obey me, if you'll keep my charge with what I command you, I'll give you places to walk among the angels. I don't know if I've ever shared that publicly. Some of these things I've kept to myself. Which is I'll give you places to walk. I believe 
is also for those of you who obey. So if you disobey God, don't think that he's going to say, come up here because you're cute. Let me, let me say a few more things and then we'll be done. In Acts 8, 8 5 through 6, it is through Christ that miracles are performed and people believe. It is only through Christ. And so Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 6 will show us it is through Christ that miracles are performed and people believe. Yes, I want miracles. I want miracles. But miracles, miracles don't seem to do a lot for people. After they get through with this miracle, they, they will show me something bigger than that, God. Yeah. I'm just saying we're in a place where we need the word of God. We need the power of the word of God. We need, we need God to shake us. You know, shake us and cause us to be sober by taking us through things that we have feared. Acts 15, 11 says, The grace of God that brings salvation comes through Jesus Christ. So you may ask, well, why does Pastor Don always talk about Jesus? He's the only per- person and thing that's worth talking about. It is through him that we are breathing now, that we live, we breathe, we breathe and have our being. It's through Christ. We have salvation. It's through Christ. We have the ability to, to maybe walk or do things or know things or, or, or to thrive and go from one degree of glory to another. That's all through Jesus Christ, one man. And I'm impressed with one man uh, who defeated the whole host of hell by himself, didn't have an army. I'm impressed with him. That's Jesus. And so let her, I want you to fall in love with him. I want you to fall in love with him. I'm going to be done in this Acts 26, 23. In Acts 26, 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. So Christ is the first man to beat death. I know I say that a lot, but that is one of the most amazing revelations that I ever had, and I've had it for some time. But Christ beating death, none of the great men of the earth beat death. They all succumbed to death. You should guard your relationship with Jesus. You should let nothing come between you and your Savior. He beat death. And he is the very first man to rise out of the grave which portends your rising out of the grave. It's, as it were, like a prophecy that death will not hold your body. Death cannot hold your spirit. When you die, you will be presently with God in heaven. You will be with the Lord Jesus. You will be with loved ones. But your body will be in the earth, and God will give you a a spirit body. Uh, a, a body with a soul and spirit. He'll give you that in heaven. You won't be just a puff of smoke. But one day, he will resurrect a body for you. And when he comes for us, that body that he resurrects out of the grave and your soul and spirit will unite. I'm impressed with somebody who can do that. But it is all through one person and his sacrifice Jesus Christ. And he says he is the first to rise from the, from the dead, that is to die no more. And then he proclaims light to the Jewish people. We owe the Jewish people a lot. We don't realize it always. 
One day I'll just sit down and tell you what we owe them. God chose them out of, out of this world to do a lot of great things through, to speak of covenant, but also as an example people of what we should do and what we should not do. But God is going to reward them one day. And I believe that day is coming soon when he will reward them and he is going to cause there to be a thousand years of peace on the earth. And we, the glorified people of God, of the church, the body of Christ, will be doing something. But he's going to reward them. He brought light to them. He brought understanding to them, brought awareness to them, brought purpose to the Jewish people, but also to you, the Gentiles, to us Gentiles. He brought light. And now because of Jesus Christ, my treasure, our treasure, we know God. You could not know God without Jesus. And that's why people worship sticks and stones. That's why they worship ancestors. That's, that's why they worship heavenly bodies, because they don't have the light. You have the light. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? I'm going to be back in a moment. We'll close out today. Sister Stephanie. I'm so 